know, we can often think we're not making a difference. (laughs) We can beat ourselves up and wonder why, why, why even bother? But we serve a God who has a way of revealing to us his plan's much bigger than we are. He sees what we can't see, and he's at work when we don't realize it. I'm just so glad that that he reveals his goodness to us. Uh, Thank you, Brother Ethan. Thank you. We never know what we're what's going on in the lives of people. And I know as well as anyone here, I know as well as anyone that you know that feeling of being unfit. Unfit for just life. Unfit for salvation. Unfit for ministry. Unfit. Just being unfit. Today I want to encourage you that you are fit. You are fit for his call. I don't know I, I don't know where everyone is right now, whether in your walk with the Lord or your walk with life. But if an enemy has convinced you that you're unfit, I want to assure you there's a God who says you are fit. Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn with us to chapter four. In the book of Matthew. And we just want to focus on that today. That you are fit for his call. Some of you may be wondering where is he going with this. Just stay with me. So you're turning to chapter 4 in the Gospel of Matthew. We're going to look in verses 18 through 22. I read the story as you're turning there about this young boy. He didn't have much athletic ability whatsoever. As a matter of fact, whenever he would gather with his friends to play a game, he was always the last to be chosen. One day, two fellas came to play with this group of boys. Being a little bit older, they were given the privilege to be the team captains. The first guy called on the one boy who was always picked last as his first choice. What we have to understand about this is that this team captain, this older fella, he was that boy's big brother. He didn't choose him because the team would be better. 
He chose him simply because he loved him. He was his brother and he loved him. Somebody needs to hear that that's how it is with God. He doesn't choose anyone based upon gifts and skills and abilities. Rather, he chooses us simply because he loves us. <laughs> so sadly, too many people miss this truth. The truth is that God loves us. He calls us because he loves us. His desire to commune with us is all because he loves us. His desire to teach us is because he loves us. His desire to shape us and to mold us into, into his likeness is all because he loves us. He has a desire to save us, to sanctify us, to glorify us, not because of our talents, our gifts, or our abilities. His affection toward us is simply out of his love for us. And because he loves you, he desires to make you fit for his kingdom. Make you fit for his service. Look with us here in the gospel of Matthew and we'll share with you out of this gospel some truth to support that he desires simply because he loves you to make you fit for his service. The Bible tells us in verse, verses 18 through 22 this familiar passage of when Jesus calls out disciples Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter, and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James and John, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in a boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called them immediately. And immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. <laughs> this is God's holy word. God, we thank you for this day. Oh, God, we thank you for your presence in our lives. We thank you for your presence in this church. We thank you for how you are moving and working in lives of, of your people in ways, God, that we don't even always see. But, God, we just thank you for what you're doing. You have demonstrated time after time your love for us. Oh, God, you demonstrated it through your son, Jesus Christ, and him giving his life for us to pay in our debt that we couldn't pay and God you continue by calling us to salvation calling us to service God we we give you honor we give you praise for your love is undeniable and God we pray that in these next few moments that you would minister to us that you would open our hearts and minds to your word your truth that God you would hide me behind the cross and you would speak to your people and God they would hear just how much you love them. 
and how you desire to make us all fit for your service. Now, God, as we look to you in these next few moments, we pray, God, you're glorified, your son's magnified, and God, if there's one who doesn't know you through your son, Jesus Christ, let this be the day that the Holy Spirit convicts their hearts and they cry out, what must I do to be saved? Oh, God, you are able to do all things. So, God, we're looking to you and we're depending upon you right now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we look at this account of Jesus calling his disciples, Matthew and Mark's gospel accounts are very similar to one another in this call. Actually, after Jesus is tempted by Satan in the wilderness, he departs toward Galilee to begin an earthly ministry. And here in Matthew's gospel, it would appear that that he comes upon Peter and Andrew and then James and John. In Luke's account, it's similar to this, but it would appear that Jesus seemed to have met Simon Peter's uh, prior to him calling him as a disciple because in Luke's account, it shares that he had healed Simon's mother. In John's account, we see Jesus calling the disciples from Andrew's point of view. And it it appears that Andrew had an encounter with Jesus prior to this actually taking place. And, And Maybe that's true and we have to assume that it has to be true because of scripture. But, but what I don't want you to do is think that there's something confusing about this. What we have to uh, think is that it is possible that the encounter with Andrew took place prior to Jesus walking on the seaside. But whatever the case be, what we know is that when these men were called by Jesus to follow him, They did just that. They followed Jesus. However, many today will choose to reject following Jesus. By rejecting him, they're refusing the light of the world. Because it is Jesus and because of him that we're able to see. You you know that it's in him that we're able to see the image of God. It's in him that we can see God is love. It's in him that we can see that God desires to commune with us. In him we can see that, he, that if we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior that we have eternal life. But so many continues to reject him. Now I can't help but wonder why. You know there are many who believe that Jesus is God's only begotten son. But they still refuse to trust him as Lord and Savior. And I have to ask, why? When I may be speculating here, possibly, I'm I'm actually convinced that if we would be completely honest, most would say that they reject him because they just don't believe they're worthy or they're fit to be called or chosen by the Lord. 
Now, to think this way is to believe that God's love is conditional. And this could not be farther from the truth. No one can earn God's love. No one can earn God's favor. For his love for us has never wavered from the foundation of the world. He loves us before we ever existed. He loved us. Saved or unsaved, he loves you. (laughs) Saved or unsaved, there's nothing that can separate you from the love of God. The fact that you are unsaved will separate you from the presence of God, but it won't separate you from the love of God. It will separate you from the power of God, but it won't separate you from the love of God. It will separate you from the promises of God, but it won't separate you from the love of God. I want to go as far as to share this with you. There is nothing anyone can do that can cause God to love you more than he does right now, right where you are. (laughs) I've got some of you's attention now, ain't I? Because some of you are thinking, preacher, you have lost your mind. Just stay with me. Stay with me. As we notice just a couple things from this text. And one thing that we have to notice quickly in here is that ability is not required to be called of the Lord. Matthew, Mark, and Luke's gospel, they all suggest that Peter and his brother Andrew were first, the first men to be called by Jesus to follow him. At this time uh, that Jesus calls them, we need to recognize where they're not. They are nowhere near a church. They are nowhere near a seminary or Bible college. In other words, Jesus didn't find them in the temple, nor did he find them in a religious learning center. Instead, Jesus finds them as he's walking by the Sea of Galilee, and he spots them casting a net. So these men were not men of position. They were not men of authority. They were not men of of power. They were simple, ordinary men out doing the best that they could do to earn a living for them and their families working hard and working together but Jesus calls them to follow him now the Bible says as he goes on (laughs) going on from there Jesus saw two other brothers known as the sons of Zebedee James and John now when Jesus sees them they are in a boat with their father and they're mending nets get that there's a difference One group of brothers are casting a net. Another group is mending nets. This is important to understand the whole scope of it. But but for this passage, what we need to really catch is what this tells me is that Jesus isn't focusing on their abilities. Rather, he's focusing on them just as men. Here, what's obvious is Zebedee and his sons were not wealthy men. 
It appears that they needed to save every penny that they could. All three of these men were in a boat mending nets. For all three to be working on their nets, their nets had to be in bad shape. They, but they weren't going to go buy new nets. Instead, they were trying to fix what they had. So it is safe to assume that these men were not men who were wealthy. They were not men of, of security. But Jesus calls these men to follow him. Now, your ability, I, I, I want to assure you of this, your ability and your background are not what requires you to be called by the Lord. If Jesus choosing these disciples isn't enough to convince you, let's think about Moses. We know Moses' background, don't we? We know he was born a Hebrew, raised in the palace in Egypt. We know also that in a fit of rage, Moses murdered another Egyptian and he buried him in the sand. And we find, what we find out about Moses is fearing for his life. He cowardly left Egypt and he flees to Midian. Forty years later, God calls him to go back before Pharaoh and to lead his people out of bondage. He's not the person that you would think that God would want to lead the people out of bondage. Moses gives excuse after excuse about why he shouldn't be the one. You understand what I'm saying here? Moses is aware of who he is. He's a self-aware man. He knows his limitations. He knows his troubles. He knows his background. And he is thinking that he's not fit to serve the Lord. In Exodus chapter 3, Moses says, Who am I to go before Pharaoh? He asked again, Who shall I tell your people that sent me? In chapter 4, we find Moses asked if what, what do I say if they don't believe me? Also in chapter 4, we find he gives an excuse. Well, I'm slow to speak. Also again in chapter 4, he, Moses pleads with the Lord to send somewhere, someone else. It appears that Moses just really believed. He was convinced he wasn't fit to serve the Lord. Moses didn't think he was fit to be called by the Lord to this service. However, God called him anyway. Honestly, I don't know where you're at today. I don't know what you've done in your past and truthfully I don't need to know because the one who needs to know already knows. There may be someone here who don't think that you're fit to be called by God to salvation. Maybe the enemy has fooled you just like he fooled me to think that you've gone too far that God to be useful in God's service. Well Luke 19 and 10 Jesus says the son of man has come to seek and to save those who are lost. He will save you today if you will call upon him. The Bible tells us in Romans 10, 8 through 13, it says this, and if you can read it here on the screen, it says the word is near you in your mouth and in your hearts. That is the word of faith which we preach, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him, him will not be put to shame and verse 12 says for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek for the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him for whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved <sighs> maybe maybe 
there was a time in your life that you trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But for some reason, you found yourself in a backslidden condition. I want to assure you upon the authority of the word of God that you have not gone too far to be called by the Lord. After Peter had denied Jesus three times, John 21, 15, 16, and 17 says that, that Jesus called out to him and said, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know I love you. And then he said to him, well, feed my lambs. In verse 16, Jesus said, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And he said, yes, Lord, you know I love you. And he said, tend my sheep. In verse 17, Jesus said to Simon, Simon, son of Jonah do you love me and Peter being grieved to his heart said Lord you know that I love you why do you keep asking me this and he said you know all things Jesus said feed my sheep (laughs) here's a man who denied Jesus three times in one conversation he denied the man three times but he still restored him He gave him a high call, the call to feed Jesus' people, to tend to them and to take care of them. Oh, oh, I want you to know today, if you'll call upon him, he'll restore you just like he did Jesus. All you've got to do is have, be willing to have a little talk with Jesus And tell him all about your trouble. He will hear your faintest cry and he will answer by and by. Yes. Ability is not what he's looking for. Some of you may be, who are saved, you may be thinking, well, I just don't have enough to offer Jesus to be called into his service. I want to assure you today that he's not concerned about your ability. He's concerned about your availability. Availability is what's required for service. What we have to notice about these men is they left what they were doing to follow Jesus. Don't miss the significance in this. Because Peter and Andrew left their business and made themselves available to Jesus. Now you may be thinking, well, what kind of business was it? It was a fishing business. Yes, it was, but it was their business. They were in their boat, casting their nets, catching their fish to go sell at the market to provide for their lives. This was their business. And what did they do? They detached themselves from their business. We're attached to a lot of things in this world. We're attached to our homes. We're attached to our, our children. We're attached to, to things that really have no earth, no kingdom value. I want to tell you, I love this place. I really do love this place. I love this church more than you will ever know. I, I, I truly do, but I want to tell you there's no kingdom value to these windows here. You know, there's coming a day when they're going to fall and they're going to break and they're going to crumble, but they will go to heaven with you and I 
We're going. And there are people whose names are on those windows because they donated some money. And I'm glad they done that. I'm glad they helped the church out in a time of need. But what, what gets me is that somebody would get so upset if we removed one of the windows for the, just to improve the church when it has no earthly value or kingdom value. The Lord doesn't care about these windows. He doesn't care about the sheetrock, the pews, the carpet, this building. He cares about you. He wants you available to him. These boys detach themselves from something that was theirs that they built up with their own hands. And they attached themselves to Jesus Christ. Oh, (laughs) don't misunderstand me. I'm glad your families, I'm glad your families took the time and and saw the importance of giving to the church. And I saw, I'm glad the church had had the foresight to appreciate them by acknowledging we couldn't have this place without these donors. This place wouldn't look like it does without these donors. I appreciate that. I'm not diminishing that. But what I'm saying is it's not worth being attached to. Jesus is worth being attached to. I got a house that we built, Iola and I, after we hadn't quite been married a year in our 11th month as husband and wife with a daughter, we built a house. We moved in that house. But I'm not attached to that house. (laughs) It can be sold tomorrow and I'm okay. (laughs) Wherever God leads me, I'm okay. I'm not attached to it. I want to be attached to Jesus. But, you know, it wasn't just that these men left their business. James and John left their father and their father's business (laughs) to make themselves available to Jesus. Now, do we get that? (laughs) Do we get that? They left their father and his business. Because the Bible says that they were in the boat, mending nets, with their father, and when Jesus called them immediately, they didn't say, Dad, can we go? (laughs) They didn't say, Dad, will you be all right? They didn't ask, Dad, will the business continue without us? They just left. (sighs) Oh, you don't get it, do you? Uh, These men were not wealthy men. They were not prominent men, but they left everything they knew to make themselves available to Jesus you know we can see that somewhat in the life of Isaiah can't we you remember Isaiah he saw the Lord high and lifted up he saw a train the Lord's the train of his robe and it filled the temple he saw seraphim flying saying holy 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 is the Lord of hosts the whole the whole earth is filled with his glory. Isaiah not only saw this, but he recognized who he was. He says, I am a man who is undone, a man of unclean lips, and I dwell among a people of unclean lips. He recognizes that he had nothing to offer the Lord but his availability. So when the Lord says, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Isaiah cried out, here I am, send me. 
(laughs) And God used Isaiah's availability. Oh, that's all he wants from you is your availability so he can do great things in this world through your availability. Now, you may be asking, how can my availability be enough? Simple. If you make yourself available to him, then he will equip you. He will give you the ability to do what he desires for you to do. Jesus told these fishermen, I will make. Circle that word. I or that whole phrase. I will make you fishers of men. They didn't have to know. They didn't know. As a matter of fact, they didn't know how to be fishers of men. But Jesus told them, I'll make you fishers of men. They hadn't studied how to be fishers of men. But Jesus says, I'll make you fishers of men. They didn't even know how to recognize a fisher of men. But Jesus said, I'll make you a fisher of men. All because they made themselves available to his service. They became fishers of men. Now, what does this mean for us today? Does this mean that in order to make myself available to his service, that I have to leave my family, my job, all that I know? Maybe not. Probably not. What it may mean is that your place of business, your family, your friends, your school, your neighborhood, your community may become your mission field. If you make yourself available to the Lord in his service, he will, you will find that the Holy Spirit will direct you to use your gifts for the glory of God and not for your own profit. If you make yourself available to the Lord, it may mean that And his service, it may mean that your old friends may walk away. It may mean that your family may even avoid you. If you make yourself available to the Lord in his service, some may ridicule ridicule you or slander you or even persecute you. But making yourself available to the Lord in his service will change your life. And it will empower you to worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. Some may say, well, I I just can't worship the Lord like these others. You don't have to. You worship the Lord how he directs you. And ever how he empowers you to worship him, you worship him that way. He will empower you to be a witness for him in, in everyday life. What that means is your life will be a witness to those who come in contact with you. Well, I don't know how to share the gospel. Well, live the gospel. And if you live the gospel and love the gospel, that will share the gospel with others. You will be empowered to work for the Lord. You'll find yourself doing things you never thought you could do. You'll find yourself willing to get uncomfortable so that God can be glorified. You'll find yourself working for him in ways that you never thought possible. Making yourself available to him in his service will bring glory to God and it will magnify Jesus Christ. Making yourself available to him in his service will give you life and life more abundant. If you make yourself available to him in his service, he will make you fit for his call. (laughs) It's not you getting fit before he calls you. It's you surrendering when he calls you and then he makes you fit. It's a walk of faith not a walk of sight. 
with every head bowed, with every head's eyes closed at this moment. I wonder today, are you ready? Is there someone here who's ready to make yourself available to him? Oh, this altar is open. And I want you to know you're welcome to come to the altar. If you're here, you're a born-again believer, and you want to recommit yourself to him for his will, for his work, come. Come. Somebody will get up and pray with you. I'm convinced of that. There may be some of you who the Holy Spirit is calling to salvation. I want to say to you, come, submit yourself to Jesus Christ. Make him Lord of your life. And as you come in a demonstration of placing your faith in Christ as your Lord and Savior, I'll pray with you. And our church will rejoice and celebrate with you.